In Hebrew, your name is Ilana Nachom, yeah? Yes. And so how do you say it to non-Hebrew speakers? They say Ilana Nachom. And then what do they say? They say what? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Aware Audio Experience. As you heard in that little intro, our guest for the day is Elana Nahum. In this episode, we do a deep dive on the vagus nerve and its effects on the human body. And we're joined by Elana, who, because of an early life accident, became fascinated and began studying the vagus nerve in depth. So we're excited to share her story and her learnings in this podcast. As always, our content is brought to you by Aware Apparel. So head on over to our website, aware-apparel, A-W-E-A-R-apparel.com, and check out some of our products. We offer some of the softest bamboo shirts. Most people don't have any bamboo shirts, and let me tell you, they are so soft. I'm wearing one right now. They're made in California, they're sustainable, and they're awesome. So hopefully you like our content enough to support our cause. Head over to the website, get some of our bamboo threads, and bring some Aware with you throughout your day. So we had a podcast um, a few weeks ago and we started talking about the vagus nerve a little bit and then we looked into it after and there's so much there. We were super interested to learn more Mm -hmm. and I was talking to my father and he said, you have to talk to Ilana. She has a pretty interesting story. She she's very familiar with the vagus nerve. Basically, your journey of the vagus nerve started decades ago, right? With some sort of accident. Correct. So this is a funny story and sad story, but it's a good story. It started when I was 19. I was very depressed and did not know what I want to do with my life. I was in the Israeli army and I was feeling very... I had suicidal thoughts and I felt very depressed and very unmotivated. I came back to the base. I was in uh, Air Force Base in the south of Israel. I came back to the base and I had a friend came and say, would you like to go listen to some jazz tonight? And I was like, yeah, why not? This is for depressed girl. It's pretty good idea to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we got on a motorcycle and we headed out from the base up on the mountain to the city to Elat. Have you been there? Yeah. So we went down to Elat and uh, on the way, I flew off the motorcycle. I just took off and flew off the motorcycle and landed on the back of my head with the helmet kind of broke a little bit. I was taken to the hospital that was right down the hill and I was kind of lost consciousness. was in the hospital for three, four days until I somehow got back together. I knew at that moment that this accident is a gift. And I went home and I saw a doctor and he said, yes, you have a tear in your knee. So you have anterior cruciate in your knee, tear. You want to have a surgery or you want a cast? So I said, cast is easier than surgery. Let's start with that. Hmm. And I never needed to have anything after that. But I worked to the physical therapy department and I knew this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That was like a message for me to go. What I didn't know that this accident left me with a very severe head injury. My helmet was broken and I did not know that I have a head injury at the time. And head injury is something you don't see when you you don't you can't see it. You just mm-hmm. don't have any access to that. And for years 
I would throw up and faint and lose consciousness and really not navigating right in the world. Wow. At one point, when I arrived to physical therapy school, we had a Feldenkrais class. It was the first time I felt like something touching my system in a way that is talking to me. Four years, I would go to, I would faint and throw up, and then they take me to the hospital, and nobody knows what's going on with me. And they put me on monitor, on a heart monitor, and try to figure out, and we never know what's going, what is it. Until I finished my schooling in, in physical therapy, and I understood that this is probably my vagus nerve. But we did not know then much about the vagus nerve. What year was that? That was 1978, 1977. Wow. The history of the vagus nerve is that it was always known as the wandering nerve. It's the longest nerve in the body, and it's the very complex nerve. But at that time, there was very little understanding of fight and flight. I just lived with a very complex situation, and I knew that at least twice a year or three times a year, I would like have a syncope, I would flail and lose consciousness. It could be by moving my eyes or by eating something wrong or being in a scuba diving uh, class or something, and I would lose. I don't know what will cause it. I will lose my concentration. And it will take a week to 10 days to come back, to be back to my baseline. But it was a good motivation to learn about the body and about myself and about the function of this nerve. And it was very... uh, reassuring when we start learning more about it when Stephen Porges came with his vagus nerve theory and understanding of it in the bigger uh, in the bigger picture everything I had was made sense hmm. including my trauma and my social behavior and so forth that's an incredible story do you feel like you've fully recovered from from what's happened a million times better Mm-hmm. million times better, and yet it's compromised. The nerve itself is compromised. And uh, it, it's manifested in so many different little ways, including my gut are not perfect, my cardiovascular is not really good, and so forth. So, But I have compassion to myself because I understand what's going on. It's not a, oh, something wrong with me. Something is compromised and it's okay you're not resisting it yeah very good word i don't resisting it that's very important your word is very important here there there is not even um it's almost i welcome it like teach me more hmm. when i used to have those syncope and so forth my mother said well we need to give you medication we need to do something and my sister might basically say no no i want to learn from it it was a meditation process. Follow it. Be with it. Allow it. Find your breath. And it will be okay. Mm-hmm. So instead of panicking and controlling it and try not to have it, it was like... Listen time, to it. Yeah, being with it. Right. And be present. You know, I'm a big believer in listening to the signals that your body's sending you. And I think there's a lot especially kind of this Western approach to medicine, which is we're we're kind of muting a lot of the signals that, you know, our first response is to use maybe a medication that might turn off those signals or might, you know, we we seek to avoid the pain, but in doing that, we kind of miss the message. Um, So it's really impressive that you, 
you follow that. Yeah, but you know, I think the story go even further back. It's go when I was 16. Uh, when I was 16, I used to have menstrual cycle like every girl. And my menstrual cycle were very, very painful. And to the point I had to take medication not to feel the pain. It was so devastating and painful. So one night I woke up and there was no medicine in the medicine cabinet. So I lie down and I basically say, imagine you took the medicine. And I just allow my body to relax and open. Everything calmed down. Hmm. And it was the last time I ever took those pain medicines. Hmm. I feel like I have a pharmaceutical company inside my head. <laughs> it sounds like there was a shift when you were doing a lot of physical therapy, right? And then there was a shift where you realized that you had a damaged vagus nerve. And is that when Feldenkrais got involved or? I was a soldier and then I had a vagus nerve damage and then I went to physical therapy school and in physical therapy school I find Feldenkrais but nobody say the word Feldenkrais there they call it wisdom of the body and I studied with them for five years and it was very difficult to do because my body react every time we do some movement but it's responded to the changes I'm making mm-hmm. and I Somehow, again, I knew that this is good for me, and I kept doing it. And then I moved to America in 1983 with a physical therapy degree, and I ended up in a hospital, in uh, working in a hospital in San Francisco. It was a spine center, it was like a, a really important hospital at the time in 1983, in, the spi- in 1986, in the spine center. It was... I was a physical therapist there with specializing back problem. Two weeks into my job, I got my own back problem. And I couldn't move and I couldn't walk and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't sit for any time. So I was working in this hospital and um, every time I have a no-show, I would lie down on the floor or on on the bed and relax and kind of make my day. A year and a half into that, I find a Feldenkrais class uh, teaching in San Francisco that was surprising and I was very different than the way I work in the hospital. So the way we work in the hospital was more like Pilates and very constrained and very strong and very core exercise. Mm-hmm. And Feldenkrais is more like fluidity and movement and possibility and uh, ease into the motion. So I went to Feldenkrais, and that day I signed on the bottom line, on the, on the contract to study for four years the program and get my certificate. Because I felt so much better after being treated at that day as a demo. And uh, I knew what it's all more what about. And uh, it was a relief. So the Feldenkrais method is very much uh, impacting the vagus nerve hmm. and since I was back in Israel and now in this uh, class the vagus nerve one of the first things it's need it's safety this is what it is all about when you don't feel safe the vagus nerve is on board from the day you were born to the day you die it will protect you and Anytime safety is not available for you, 
you fight will take over, or you freeze if it's very overwhelming, immobilizing. So my body had a lot of immobilizing because there was a pain, and that's not safe, right? Mm-hmm. I was very much on tension the whole time. So when we had the Feldenkrais class, is very much you lie on your back and you let yourself feel yourself. You self-reflect. The moment you do self-reflection, you feel safe. The temperature in the room is right. You are comfortable. You try to look for the most comfortable place to be. So this has calmed down the nervous system. And from ease, you try to do a movement. And that movement is based on some of your blueprint of your reflexes that you had when you were a child. And some of the movement are like animal movement. And the combination of movement are novice to your brain because it's not a movement you do every day. And the position is not a daily. So you have to find a pathway that you don't have. Hmm. And all of that is such a healing ground to freedom of your body. And so the vagus nerve is, in Feldenkrais, we didn't have the language at the time because the vagus nerve was not so known at the time, but Feldenkrais was wise beyond his time. He didn't know about brain plasticity that we all know about today. He had, did not have the term, but he knew that the brain is plastic and it can change consistently if you give it the right food. And the right food is learning. It's learning about the self. Keep learning and uh, upgrade the self. So any repetition that we do in Feldenkrais, it's in this variation rather than a repetition. So if you lift something back and forth, your repetition, but there is no variation in it. But if you lift it on one leg, or if you lift it a little to the side, if you lift it from a different place in your body, I do all this movement that you can see me, but people cannot see. But the body is engaged in a different angle, and that's what heals the brain and expand it and make more connection, calm the system, and make the system more valuable to its function, to the highest function it has. One of the questions I wrote down are, do you, you know, do you have tips for maintaining healthy vagal tone? And is that something that you play into your therapy with your patients or is that not relevant? It's relevant to every human being, everyone, every day dealing with their vagus nerve. We all have things that trigger us and anything that trigger you from your phone is not working right somebody slammed the door to something that make you smile like a flower you find on the road all the time your vagus nerve is in action hmm. so the question do you have more vagus nerve trigger or vagus nerve glimmers like things that make you happy about yourself and where is the balance if the balance into the nerve toward the triggers you are agitated and your vagus nerve is here to protect you and do whatever it can to do it. So you have a song on the radio that trigger you, the sound, or you have a song that make you happy. Uh, with my client, I basically teach them to be sensitive to what things trigger them and what things glimmer. Hmm. And anything that trigger you is basically an invitation. It's invitation to see where you have 
challenge with yourself. And you say thank you to the trigger. And you come with compassion to yourself and say, Oh, self, you are really got triggered by that. Let me be with you. Sit with that. Like I sit with my pain. So we come back to it. Not to stop it from happening, but to expand the comfort zone that we can have. So this is my biggest tip. Like if somebody triggers you, say thank you. Mm-hmm. Because they really direct you to where you did not develop enough and where you need to find healing in that zone rather than want them to stop from doing what they're doing. You couldn't be spe- I mean, there's somebody in my life right now. Ilana, that, uh, <laughs> so I got a lot of thank yous I got to send after this call. Oh, man. When I start doing the thank you to the triggers, I am happy person. Nobody's to blame. Nobody does it to me. Yeah. Somebody does it for me. <laughs> so if I change this attitude, I am I'm free. And I want my freedom. <laughs> and what about the glimmers? You talked about the triggers, but how, how do you feel about honoring some of the things that make your, your vagus nerve glimmer? Well, I do more of them. <laughs> <laughs> when I don't do them, my body goes, what happened? You forgot me. <laughs> and it's triggered me to go to do them. <laughs> My day is full with things that make me happy for the most part. I don't do any work that don't make me happy. I don't eat things that I don't like, that I think will be not good. I don't have friends that I don't want to spend time with. I kind of making life to be as pleasant to me. I look around in my room and everything I look at is something I like. Mm-hmm. And if something I don't like, I say, okay, well... You need to get out of here or <laughs> we can need to fix you or something, you know. Glimmers are very important and you note them to yourself. It's like, wow, that's felt good. Like you close your wear, the things you put on yourself, anything you have. If it doesn't feel good for you, don't touch it. And we are really in some way prisoner of society. So we try to be like this and that and we want... We th- I mean, the outside is so deceiving as it's going to make us feel good, but it's your inner world make you feel good. It's Mm. not the outside. So on that note, were you always very spiritual or was there a turning point in your life that you felt pulled you more in that direction? So you see, I don't even know the answer to it. I was 16 when I downloaded, I don't need to use the medicine, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... I don't have a a spiritual teacher. I never had a teacher. I never had a guide that I call it, this is my teacher. I just have a curiosity. So is this uh, curiosity something that kept me going? And without curiosity, it's very boring around here. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Life is a little different without curiosity. Right. And some people, the curiosity die. At one point, they just kind of shut down their curiosity and they stuck into the belief system that is really vagus activator. Hmm. So if your belief system, I don't belong here or something wrong with me running the show, you are in a prison 
of the vagus nerve. Hmm. So when you have a belief system that is not conducive to your well-being, you are really messed up. So I like it because... <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, you know, imagine belief system is something I hold in my hand, right? I have a nice rock. I have a beautiful crystal here. So here is a beautiful crystal. I hold it. This is my belief system. Yeah. All right? <laughs> I like it. I like your belief system. <laughs> yeah. I do too. But if I keep going with it everywhere I go, would not be nice, right? I would not be able to hug anybody. I would not be able to feed myself. I don't have... it. You know, this belief system is... It gets in the way. It gets in my way. So can I find what belief system is holding me back? Then if I land in that and find somebody or somehow a way to breathe into it, reorganize it, challenge it, and have compassion to the fact that it built in myself. There was a reason at one point I hold this belief system. Mm -hmm. To protect you. Right. So if I have to press the refresh button to refresh my belief system, that will help. And that takes curiosity, right? Staying it open to new beliefs out there so that you can evolve and continue to grow. Yeah, it has to create courage also to see that you might went astray, that maybe a virus entered your system and now it's running the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we want that virus, which is a belief system that is negative for you, to be met with curiosity, with question, with challenges, with mm-hmm. how does it serve you? Can you mm. see life without that? What would be life like if this belief would not be there? And it's scary to let go. It's scary Very scary. Go. I mean, if I let go of this, it will break. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. But I will have a free hand and the realm of possibility become bigger. And Feldenkrais told us, he said, let's make the impossible possible. So it's impossible to let go of your belief system. The possible easy and the easy elegant. Let's make the impossible possible, the possible easy and the easy elegant. So we need to start being interested in the introspective, like into the self, into the inner world. We are so busy out there all the time. Mm-hmm that nobody is busy about here. I kind of like the idea that you meditate and you want to, to deepen into the meditation. So the guidance to the meditation might be, what's going on with me right now? Hmm. What am I feeling at this moment? Name something in your belly. Notice the avenue of your breath in your body. Where does it like to go? Where does it stop? Notice if you can hear your heartbeat, can you stop into your listening into your own self, listening to the speed of your mind? So the moment I say that, it's already the whole concept of self start changing into a big ears and big eyes that looking into the self. And you sit for five minutes between two people or by yourself and name everything you feel in your body. You just name it without judgment, without wanting to go away. That's what I feel right now. It's like meditation is that is it takes curiosity. It's yeah. a good way to think of it. As, yeah, as, it does. It's like a gentle curiosity when you meditate. You're just silently sitting in stillness and observing all these things. Do you remember the first time that you meditated? I never did. 
I meditate when I go in a group and we all sit there and wait for something to happen and so forth. But <laughs> <laughs> and I really like when the gong is gonging and it's like, oh, I can relax now. So I'm not a meditator, but I'm a listener. When I do my Feldenkrais walk, it's a really amazing state of meditation because mm. it's a state of being in the moment and being very present to what happened. And my mind is in the present of how things are. And am I efforting? And I'm easing? Am I starting before I want? Is Do I have ability to move two things at the same time? Does one of them go faster than the other? My meditation, since I learned Feldenkrais, I never could sit there and just be sitting mm. on a cushion. So this is my avenue. But... I still think I meditate without the word meditation in Yeah, that. I know you do. I, I did your hour-long guided meditation, <laughs> and that was meditation to me. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't think about it as meditation. I think about it as exploration, mindful exploration. Mm, so if that's called self. meditation, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, how do you think inner exploration like you called it affects the vagus nerve breath work breathing it's this calming effect breathing can put you from sympathetic to parasympathetic right it can switch you from your like fight or flight to your rest and recover and mm -hmm. so is that one of the strongest ways that you found to help regulate some of your vagal tone right so breath is the very basic axis root to the vagus nerve there are many other ones but this is like the most available that you have consistently. If you slow down your breath, the more you slow it down, the longer you exhale, the maybe the pause between the inhale and the exhale are, the vagus nerve going, oh, this is safe here. I can go rest now. I can do digest. Anytime you want to just kind of calm yourself down, you maybe pause between inhale and exhale. The problem is some people with a very challenging trauma, you tell them to slow down the breath, they want to kill you in a minute. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. It's some really hard people, people, very, very hard to do that. Mm -hmm. So we don't go there. We try to find different ways to slow down the vagus nerve. Mm. Some of them will be a really nice uh, wrapping your hand around your forearm and holding it for a few seconds and mm. just hold it and move the, the skin on the forearm a little bit down and a little bit up very slow. And basically your hand saying to yourself, I'm here with you. Mm. We are here together. The other things you can do is hum. Like, yeah, we mm, talked about that a lot. Yeah, humming is really nice. Gurgling, take a really cold shower. Really, really cold shower. <laughs> there are many exercises you can do to open up the back of your head where the vagus nerve comes from. And... You do a little uh, motion with your nose, like you say yes. With your nose, you just nod yes. Very small, tiny nodding. And as the front nose saying yes, the back nose also can say yes. So you do, the, with your mind go to the back nose and you do yes with the back nose. 
So they're just very gentle and soften the amplitude that you're doing it, very soft amplitude. And as you're doing it, depends where your tongue is in your mouth, so you can bite your tongue gently between your teeth or put it on the roof of your mouth and you nod your head. So you open the whole, the whole area of the back of your head where your vagus nerve comes from. And you do slow, soft movement and it's going, yes, it's safe here. Because you don't do soft movement when you're fighting somebody or you're frozen, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to do those things that are opposite of that. And the literature is full with many, many different exercises to, to calm down the system. So this is very basic few one that you can access and connect to yourself in tight places. You know, you'll be on the yeah. bus or in you, wherever you feel like a little nauseated or <laughs> little challenged. It's like, mm, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really cool. So there was like, there was a cold shower. There was gargling. There was um, this little nod grabbing your forearm and comforting yourself. These are all little quick tips to try to relax your vagus nerve a little bit. Yeah, access route to yourself quickly, right? And there are many more, so the, the list is going on. And yeah. yeah, but we really have to be better ambassador to this nerve. And mm. this nerve is serving us and we need to serve it. We do that through? We do that through slowing down everything. Any action you do, like when I talk to you now, if I talk like that and you will feel like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my tone of voice and my breath and my relationship, my gazing and my all myself is a way of saying to the Vegas now, we are safe here. This is okay. doing your guided meditation that was a one of my favorite parts was that exhale section where you're basically you're you know you're breathing normally and then when you're getting to your exhale there's a part where you're suggesting we go a little deeper and exhale further exhale more and keep going and you realize first of all I was surprised how much more I could exhale and then how much goes in and how my whole body was reacting to that so I haven't really done a meditation or inner exploration, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, this is very much from Feldenkrais. And this is a really the one of the most amazing piece of exercise that I can teach somebody to do. And the exhale, when you think you're done with it, you are not. So mm. there is more. And one of the way we do it, we kind of swallow your saliva and push a little more. And then you finish to push it. There is more after that. Then you can even hold your breath. And you think, I will die if I continue doing it. <laughs> but then something magical happens, and it's life force itself going, you are not going to die because I'm going to breathe you. <laughs> hmm. And breath just show up. And you inhale, just come in, take you over. You don't ever say about that. And that's just like a meeting with the life force that's saying, I'm here constantly. As long mm. as you are alive, don't worry, I'm going to breathe you. And this is safety. That's where safety lies. 
because life force is there and we don't have trust. We don't trust our own body. Our body betrays us many different times. But the truth is there is so much to trust. There is a heartbeat that goes on from the day you were born. And it's go before that, it's go from you were five weeks old. You went to, the mother went to the, mm -hmm. uh, to the doctor and they have the sonar and they go, pum, pum, pum. they hear mm -hmm. you, they say, oh, he's there, she's there. So the heartbeat starts then and it's going on and you don't trust this body. What do you mean you don't trust? I'm here. I'm working full yeah. time, nonstop, and you don't trust me. Who would you trust? Mm. <laughs> I like that. Right? If you don't trust me, who do you trust? If you don't trust this heart, who would you trust, right? I mean, we can develop this relationship with the body of trust and that breath that kind of you extend it and extend it and extend it, whoop, it's breathe you and like, yeah, trust me. I'm going to be here for you. Mm. I am you. I'm you. Anything else you think it's you, it's not you. I'm you, the one that breathes you, the one that beat inside you. And now can you be there with me? Hmm. And there was a part about expansion and contraction too, right? When I'm fighting for that extra exhale and then I go to inhale, it's like... <laughs> I felt like a balloon just got, you know, yeah. injected. So the expansion and contraction is the very basic things that happen in every cell, in everywhere in the universe all the time. This is the two actions that happen all the time. This is life. Hmm. Expansion and contraction. The moment you are delighted about something, the moment you are compressed about something. Mm. <laughs> moment it's make you happy, the moment you make you Yeah, love, fear, abundance, scarcity. Yeah. Right. Ebb and flow of your ocean, the flower open and close. All what it is in this world is contraction and expansion. Contraction yeah. and expansion. Can you trust that? Anytime mm. something go contracted, it will go expansion. Yeah, and it's when we fight that that we feel all of the yeah. pain. What did you tell me? You said uh, life is like a river flowing, and when it hits a rock, it's the whitewash. So it's our the white job, water. White water, yeah. So our job is to just flow over that rock. Without... Yeah, we are the boat. You get wet, you get excited, and you move on, and mm. you cannot avoid it. It's unavoidable. This is life. Anytime you think life should not be with any challenges, you are not here. Yeah. You got to say thank you to those challenges. Those are your triggers. Exactly. Exactly. And those triggers are here to show you who you are hmm. and how you are. And how can you get any more of yourself? How can you show more of yourself? Ilana, thank you so much for joining us. Before we end, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Some last parting piece of advice? Keep your curiosity and go anywhere. They teach you things about how to see the world as the world navigate toward you, not against mm. you. So you want to learn how the world is navigate toward you and how you can open yourself to what the world wants to teach you and land inside yourself. That's the only safe place you truly have. Mm. and nobody can take that away from you they can take anything you have physically but the internal world they can take your arm and your leg but nobody can take your internal world away from you 
So be as friendly as you can to your internal world because you're going to be with it no matter what happens. That was Alana talking about the vagus nerve. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you all taking the time and making it this far. We hope that brought you some value, brightened up your day. I know it definitely brightened up ours. Keep glimmering, everybody. Awer Audio out.